0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday evening Bible class of Laurel Church of Christ. We're glad you could join us this evening. My name is Paul Wharton, and we will be studying from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's been our pleasure to to visit with you via the internet for the last few weeks, and we're hoping that These classes have been an encouragement to you. A part of our ability as Christians to help one another, as we will learn tonight, is to share our our resources with one another. Another great benefit of being a member of the Lord's body is we have the opportunity to pray for each other. And as we prepare to begin our class this evening, we'd like to open our class with a prayer. And we would like um, Brother Dale Meadows, open us with a prayer.
1: Thank you, Brother Warden. Let us pray. Our kind and most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you at this hour giving you thanks, Lord, for all the many blessings you've given us. Lord, you allowed us to wake up on this side of life today. And for that, we are so grateful. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this technology to be able to come together, Lord, in one accord and to study your word. Lord, we ask that you be with all of us, be with all of our family members, those that might be traveling at this time, those that might be impacted by this pandemic, and those that might just be struggling in other ways. Lord, we just ask ask that you lift them up in your care. Lord, please bless Brother Wharton as he brings this lesson to us. We just pray that something is said, Lord, that will be beneficial to our everyday lives and that we may go out into the world and and share the good news with them. But we're so grateful for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dale. You know, if
0: if you'll recall, when we started, um, I believe in the last series, my good friend and brother, Jeff Watson. Jeff started this kind of participation, interactive piece, and I was really impressed. I think by the time I finish up, I'll have it down pat, but uh, certainly uh, Jeff set the bar pretty high and I'm scrambling to try to just hold on, but uh, we certainly want to thank him and as well as our technical staff for being able to bring us this particular medium and have us communicate and share as much as possible. To start this evening, we want to uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Remember, anytime if you would like to read, just put up your hands and and we will open up your mic, or if you have a comment, put it on our chat line and, and we can share that and read that so we want to start reading this evening, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. Who would like to do that? Put your hand up. Don't be bashful. How about Sean
2: Holt? All right, 2 Corinthians chapter Eight, verses 1 through 7 in the uh, NIV version.
1: <clears throat> mm-hmm.
2: and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, poverty welled up rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did, and they did not do as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion, this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving.
0: Thank you so much, Sean. This is one of my favorite chapters and certainly that last verse was was one of my favorite verses. You know, giving to those in need, it's it's every one of our duty it is what christians do one for another we all have had different life experiences and, and growing up depending on you know your household your parents encourage you to give your parents encourage you to participate in community activities giving a part is a part of all of our duties our duty to our fellow man, and certainly our duty to our fellow Christians. As we pick up this lesson, we'll find that, that Paul started to uh, make mention earlier, and he, he set the tone of what was going on and, and what had to be done. And I'd like someone to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and be prepared to read verses 1 through 4. And also, someone else turn to Romans 15 and be prepared to read verses 25 through 27. But Paul was letting these Corinthians know exactly what had to happen, and he was letting them know what their duty was. If someone has 1 Corinthians, Brother Quasi, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. Brother Quincy, go ahead.
3: Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatians churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seem advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me.
0: Thank you very much. That sounded like Quaku with some of that fine reading there. Uh, Romans 15, 25 through 27. Uh, did I see Bruce, Bruce Robbins? Did I see your hand up, my brother? Open up Bruce's mic.
4: Hello, do you hear me? We can hear you. Very good. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to
5: minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Acacia to make certain contributions for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers Of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things.
0: Thank you very much, my brother. Now, we can see in those few verses, Paul brings in the Galatians, the Macedonians, the churches at Achaia, and certainly he's writing this, this letter to the Corinthians So Paul's not just focusing on the Corinthians to give. He is focusing on all the Gentile churches that he had established to prepare this offering. I've got a little question there. What was the collection for? What were were they collecting this money for? For Paul's well-being, what were they collecting it for? either on the chat line, Sean, for the, the poor, always with us, for those the poor that were in Jerusalem and the famine that they were suffering in Jerusalem. That's exactly right. Thank you very much, Carrie. You know, as we look at things that go on today, have you ever looked at how many different world ministries and world missions that Laurel has? And Brother Bren White has been has made his his life's endeavor in developing that mission field and developing many of the, the uh, groups and many of the outposts that we're supporting. There's always a need for Christians to help one another. And when you look at that, uh, maybe it was two weeks or three weeks ago, I believe, Brand posted, What was going on and how many different Bible studies had had gone on and how those programs were progressing. This was akin to what Paul was doing. Paul had let each one of these churches know what their responsibilities were to their fellow Christians, especially those that were in need. But really quickly, I want you to think about, um, you know, how, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Let me give you a clue. Uh, within the next few days, I've got to touch base with Bren and Steve Jones and a couple other guys. Um, we're going to start collecting goods to send over to Cameroon along with some other things. That's been a, a mission work that I've been involved in now close to eight years. Um, but I want you to think when you see those programs and when you see those different postings throughout the world, what do you think about that? You say, oh, uh, that's nice. Uh, maybe I should give maybe I should contribute something. What do you think? Let me hear from somebody. I want somebody to tell me what they think about that. So you're going to have to raise your hand. We'll open your mic and you tell us. Go ahead. Don't don't be shy. What do you think about that mission work that Laurel is undertaking? Active love, absolutely, Gloria. What do you think about your participation in that in that mission work? Are you participating in it? Would you like to? It's a privilege. Absolutely. Gloria says yes. Well Gloria, I, I will send you personally some information on that. But to our lesson, this collection that we're talking about here in the verses that we read and in Second Corinthians was for the poor that were in Jerusalem. We have that same responsibility, Right. We have that same opportunity to help our fellow Christians throughout the world. We are part of God's family, and this duty is something that we have to fulfill. But do you see this as something that, oh my goodness, they got me doing this again? or is this something that you really would like to do? Would you like to go on a mission trip? I tell you, when when I went to Cameroon, it totally changed how I look at mission work. Now I won't go into all of those details on what it changed, but I was probably the only guy that ever went to Africa on a mission trip and gained weight. But when we're doing this for our fellow Christians, we have to fulfill those duties and those responsibilities. Let me review verses 4 and 5 here in chapter 8. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. And the Bible reads, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing this service to the saints. And they didn't do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. One of the things that we're going to absolutely have to do is commit ourselves. Not just that physical commitment, not just the exchange, but we have to commit our spirit, commit our love, commit our faith to make this work. Thank you very much, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Jeff Watson just posted that. Jeff, put your finger on that. We're gonna ask you to read that in just a couple minutes. So prepare for that. But right now we want to hit back in our text this evening. (laughs) <laughs> well, you have to turn it on, then, Jeff. Uh, for what I'm, what I'm laughing at, Jeff just posted his microphone wasn't working, um, so we'll have to get someone else to to read that scripture. But for right now, we want to look at Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses seven and eight, and we want to read that and kind of just just keep in mind what the emphasis, what the focus was here, and it reads, verse 7, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love By comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. Paul provided a lot of examples he called out the Macedonians because, as he says, the Macedonians really weren't, they, they really weren't wealthy. They, they weren't affluent. If you'll recall some of the things that we talked about Corinth, Corinth was just a bustling metropolis. There was a lot of commerce there. The people there were, were well off. And Paul is reminding them Paul's reminding them that it's their responsibility to make that commitment. He wasn't commanding them to do it, but he was encouraging that personal commitment. I believe I saw a little thing fly over. Sean Holt, if you have that in 1 Timothy,
2: that scripture that Jeff posted for us. Yes, sir. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 17 through 19 in the king, Mm -hmm. excuse me, in the NIV version. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life.
0: I could probably do better by just saying, amen, that's the end of the class. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Sean. Our commitment and generosity is what marks us as brothers one to another. It also sets an example for others to see. And we're not talking about much like the scripture that we just had read. We're not talking about being showy or flashy, but the things that you do are being viewed and recognized by many. I can tell you, there have been many efforts at the Laurel Church to help people and to do, and I can't ever think of the answer being no, or anyone being turned away. I really can't. I absolutely know when certain appeals have been made that there have been, as we will talk later in our lesson, more than sufficient supply provided for those that were in need and that's going to be the hallmark of our love for one another that's going to be the hallmark of our congregation and we should always strive to allow our generosity to be limitless you know um there's a little comment as you're reading on that screen our generosity is not limited by our means Or resources it's limited by our faith in Christ well wait a minute is that worded right it's limited by our faith in Christ oh that must mean that if we're not generous maybe our faith is small what do you what do you think that means? Let me hear from someone either on that chat line or raise raise your hand. Hmm. Someone just had their hand up. I'm I'm sorry I missed it. Would you put your hand back up, please? What do you think that means? Our generosity is not limited by our means. It's limited by our faith in Christ. What does that mean to you? i tell you what it means to me. It means that when I find myself thinking, the limit comes from us, not from Christ. Amen, Dale. We're limited because we don't fully believe in the power of God. Amen. Now, that's the truth. There are no limits in Christ. Giving can be a means of exercising our faith. It is absolutely, it is absolutely an exercise of our faith. You know, and as we go further in our in our lesson this evening, we're going to look at a couple other scriptures. But our generosity, our generosity is fueled by the faith that we have in God to provide. With faith in Christ, we can't operate with a scarcity with a scarcity mindset. Now that's true. You know, there is there is a, uh, a saying, it's, it's somewhat worldly, but it goes something like, um, a scared man shouldn't gamble and a jealous man shouldn't get married. Now, what the world's that got to do with our generosity, one Christian to another? When we are afraid of anything, we are showing our lack of faith in Christ. The Bible tells us that. When we will find ourselves withholding, well, that's true, Sean, I don't know how it happened. (laughs) When we find ourselves withholding our ability because we're not sure of where we are or we're not confident in our blessings, then we're operating on a limited faith. We have to keep our willingness, our generosity, our care for one another, and that's really what it boils down to, our care and love for our fellow Christians. We have to keep that before us because the things that we do, our children, our associates, other people are going to be seeing that they're going to recognize it for what it is and we're going to have to answer to that let's look at another section here in our in our lesson this this evening let's pick up and read 2 Corinthians from chapter 8 verses 8 through 15 Verses 8 through 15 of Second Corinthians 8. Anyone, if you would please raise your hand, we'd love for you to read. If we've got any of our young brothers out there or sisters, please raise your hand. Now, you know, one good thing about this, I can see everybody. Now, there are a few computer names, but all of you that have logged in and your computer has your name on it, I can look at look at here and see exactly who it is. Oh, okay. Well, we got a couple that popped up there. Um, Fire tablet, I believe that is my dear sister from Montgomery County. Would you read?
3: I would, but I'm in Howard County.
0: (laughs) You're in Howard County.
3: Second Corinthians, that would be chapter eight, starting with verse eight. Mm -hmm. I'm commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that so he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality as it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little.
0: Thank you very much, Ray.
3: You're welcome.
0: Think about those verses. Think about what that says. First of all, Paul offers the Corinthians a challenge, you know, and that, their challenge is you know, I'm going to test your sincerity by comparing you with these other guys. I've already told you about the Macedonians. They gave more than they were even able. But first, they gave themselves. Are you willing to give yourself, Corinthians? You know, law, are you willing to give yourself? We see there that Christ gave up his heavenly presence. To come to earth, to become poor, to offer himself as a sacrifice so that we would be rich and richly blessed by the salvation that he has brought to us. That's something really to think about. We are in Christ to share what we have. And when we allow our faith to exercise itself to the fullest, we'll find out that our sharing can go a long ways, especially as we read some of these other verses here. And we look at the part where where it talks about where there can be equality. What makes us equal in God's sight when we give? Giving oneself is the biggest challenge yet it's also the most sincere gift. Amen, Brother Cook. Is that something akin to the the greatest gifts that we can receive can't be purchased with money? Giving ourselves, being willing to commit ourselves. Someone turn over to Mark 12, verse 41 through 44 mark 12 41 through 44 just raise your hand we'll open up your mic go ahead joe open open up uh let's see um dale meadows
1: Jesus sat sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on.
0: Amen. That gives us that equality. And in this case, it moves that widow above all of those that had given much. Have you ever been to a, a congregation? You can raise your hand, I might, you might not want to say. Have you ever been to a congregation and they, they sat the contribution plate on a table and asked you to come and, and contribute to it? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Sean Holt says, absolutely. Well, you know, that, that does happen. Jeff Watson said he never saw that. Jeff, it is something to see. It is something to see. Because what you'll find out is that there will be some people that will be giving more than they can afford, but not for the right reasons. While there will be some that have the means and they will make a big fanfare over what they can contribute. Kevin says, I've seen it done on Sunday nights. (laughs) Yes, that's true. But you know, the spirit that God places within us that we receive at baptism moves us to be both generous and to be faithful. And I think The comment that we just had a a moment ago you know committing ourselves is a very challenging challenging task to be committed to it to sacrifice for it to extend ourselves for it to be faithful in it those are challenges that as christians we have to meet and we have to meet those because as we are in Christ and we are sharing our goods. Yes, they call you up front, especially on Easter. Well, yeah. Yeah, that that does happen. That does happen. We have to be generous and our faith drives that generosity. But keep this in mind. He who gathered much didn't have too much. But sometimes we'll say, but I only have a little. What difference does mine make? I better keep this for my expenses next week. When we understand the value of what we have in Christ, we value our things less. Amen. Amen. When we realize the value we have in Christ, the things that we have become less important to us. The last portion of our reading this evening will take up the the last section of the eighth chapter, and that will be verses 16 through 24, 2 Corinthians Chapter 8, verses 16 through 24, just put your hand up, and we'll open your mic. One of the things we're going to find out in this as we read through this is that Titus was, he was really enthusiastic about his calling or what he had, what he took on as a responsibility Who would like to read that? Chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. Any hands? Any hands? Okay. I can always depend on this man. Well, I haven't heard from Carrie. Let me have Carrie Clark. Go ahead, Carrie.
4: All right, Paul. (laughs) Here we go. I'm reading from the uh, CSB. Thanks be to God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. For he welcomed our appeal and being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. We have sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with this gracious gift that we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administering. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to what was what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. We have also sent with them our brother. We have often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent, and now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show them proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you.
0: Amen. Thank you, Carrie. That was that was a, a wonderful version, wonderful reading, and making a point. Whenever there's responsibility within the church, men are chosen because of their reputation, because of their example and not because of their purse or personality. The men that were accompanying Titus were selected by the church. And they were selected by the church because, you know, the church does have a good pulse on people's character, who they are, what they're about. So as you've seen in a couple of these slides, you know, you, you always want to be, if you have that dedication, if you have that desire to serve, you want to be about the Lord's business. So that people can recognize your willingness, your ability, and the, the heart that you carry. Also, it it's, was pointed out very clearly in this verse. We always have to do right in God's sight, but you know, we need to pay attention to what it looks like to our fellow man too. We've got to be responsible. We've got to be men of integrity, men of honesty, truthfulness. That's so very important. One of the easiest things to lose is a person's confidence in you by lacking integrity. Paul was urging Titus. Paul was selecting men. The churches were sending these men with this large sum of money because they felt that these men were responsible and that they were honest. And when you're doing God's work faithfully, That's what your fellow members will be looking for from you. You know, your work is on display all the time. Whatever you're doing, it's going to create an imprint. So as we look through this chapter and the next chapter and it's talking about giving. Do as we read earlier before they gave, they first gave of themselves. That's what we have to do, brothers and sisters. That's what we have to do for our work to be blessed. That's what we have to do to really help. Next week, we're going to be in chapter nine. And, you know, sowing and reaping, sometimes we say that, and it just kind of rolls right off our tongue. But there's one thing that's true. Whenever we sow, and especially when we sow generously, we reap so much more. Thank you very much. I appreciate this. God bless you. Be safe this week. And I hope to be with you again next week. Brothers.
6: Amen and amen. Another good lesson um, from Brother Wharton. Thank you so much, Brother Wharton, for your for your time and your diligence. Uh, this lesson on um, giving, the manner of giving and the spirit of giving me. Thank you. May God be with you and yours. Tonight, we'll start our devotion with singing A Friend Like You, Song number 21 from the supplemental. Psalm number 21, A Friend Like You. <clears throat> listen this life is filled with sorrow and troubles here below we oft are made to wonder just why it should be so in every tribulation this life must bring to view Oh, Lord, we need a friend like you. Oh, Lord, we need a savior upon this weary road. We need someone to guide us and share our heavy load. We need someone to love us and tell us what to do. Oh, Lord, we need a friend like you. O oh, Lord, we know you travel the road to Jericho and helped a lonely pilgrim, the Bible tells me so, when earthly friends forsake us and all the world seem blue. O oh, Lord, we need a friend like you. O oh, Lord, we need a Savior upon this weary road. We need someone to guide us and share our heavy load. We need someone to love us and tell us what to do. Oh, Lord, we need a friend like you they say that many trials will come to vex the soul that clouds will often gather to dim for us the goal in every sad condition to lead us safely through oh lord we need a friend like you oh lord we need a savior upon this where we rode we need someone to guide us and share our heavy load we need someone to love us and tell us what to do oh lord we need a friend like you a song after the devotion song number 396 no not one there's not a friend number
5: 396. Good evening, everyone. Uh, For those of you who may be following along in your Bibles, I'm going to read tonight uh, from Genesis chapter 50, starting at verse number 15. Uh, And while it shouldn't take you long to find that, uh, you know, Genesis is one of the easiest books in the Bible uh, to locate. Uh, I want to share a brief word with you uh, tonight from the life of Joseph. And, and I think it relevant for us because of where we are in our present time. I've heard many people say, and I've even said it myself, that 2020 was a tough year. Uh, but if you stop and think about it, 2020 isn't the first time that we faced a challenge uh, in, in life. And now we haven't faced a worldwide one, uh, as we have uh, with this coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, but just in thinking back over time, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, when 9 11, uh, the events of 9 11 happened, uh, that there was great attention uh, drawn to that event. And, and I believe for us, uh, the more personal something is, the more attention we t- tend to pay to it there's something about experiencing something firsthand versus uh, seeing it on the news or reading it in uh, the newspaper or some other source. But at any rate, I want to read starting at uh, Genesis chapter 50, uh, verse number 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Now I have a question I want you to just let run uh, in the background of your mind. What do you think of when you hear the word purpose? When we hear the word purpose, what do you think of? I, I would venture that, that when we hear the word purpose, uh, one of the things that we may well think of is doing something on purpose. Uh, or maybe we think of living with purpose, you know, uh, having visions or goals and, and working towards them. And those are certainly acceptable context of purpose. Uh, But I want to consider tonight that Joseph was a man of a different kind of purpose. Uh, Joseph was a man of purpose in that he was used to accomplish God's purposes in this world. And we see the purposes of God being worked out in Joseph's life through what we call providence. Now, someone once said that providence is God acting anonymously. And I think that's an excellent definition of what providence is, uh, because from our vantage point, uh, God is doing things uh, and he does things, he's in control, uh, but he does it in such a way that he doesn't make his hand uh, directly seen. And so much so to those that are unaware or unwilling to acknowledge God's rule, Uh, tend to call providence coincidence. Uh, Now, I I firmly believe in providence, and and I thank God for it. Uh, And if we appreciate or or understand what God is doing, it's usually in retrospect. You know, it's usually looking back that we understand, uh, if in fact we understand, but it's usually looking back that we understand Uh, what God was doing in any certain event. Uh, Even in Bible times, when God declared his purpose uh, beforehand, take like uh, the example of Moses. Moses knew why he was going to Egypt, uh, but I doubt that Moses appreciated why the events had to play out the way that they did. So when we look at Joseph and you remember, uh, the, Joseph's account in, in Genesis, uh, Joseph grew up in certainly what could be called a dysfunctional family. Uh, remember, his his father, Jacob, uh, was very, very conspicuous with his favoritism of Joseph, uh, so much so that it influenced uh, his brothers uh, not just to dislike Joseph, but to hate him. The Bible says that Uh, things got so bad that his brothers couldn't even speak to him peaceably. Uh, They were actually going to kill Joseph, but as it played out, they sold him into slavery, which in just about any other instance would have been a death uh, death sentence of a different kind. Uh, So Joseph ends up down in Egypt and he's working uh, for Potiphar and he rises Uh, in recognition in Potiphar's house until Potiphar's wife uh, makes the false accusation against him, uh, at which point Joseph is sent to prison. Uh, In prison, again, he begins to rise uh, so that he's in charge of all the other prisoners. Uh, And as it would happen, two prisoners in particular come in contact with Joseph and word of the fact that Joseph can interpret dreams makes its way back to Pharaoh. So now Pharaoh calls for Joseph, and again, God elevates Joseph, and he rises to second in command uh, in Egypt. And one of the things that I, I love about Joseph is Joseph, when asked, didn't take credit uh, for any of his accomplishments, Joseph didn't say, Yeah, I worked hard in Potiphar's house, I worked hard in the prison, or, you know, I've worked hard to establish myself uh, in, in Egypt. Uh, Joseph attributed his success uh, to where credit should have gone, he attributed it to God. And one of the things that Joseph came to realize is that God had been working by virtue of providence, over the course of his living, uh, even up to the point where he is confronted uh, by his brothers. Uh, And I I believe that providence, now it does more than two things for us, but I I wanna share two things with you uh, quickly here tonight. Uh, Number one, providence helps us deal uh, with personal tragedy. Uh, When you look at the conversation that takes place between Joseph and his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, uh, a great deal had happened in Joseph's life. And those things were necessary uh, based on other things that God had planned uh, for Joseph. And so Joseph was able to look back and understand that it really wasn't his brothers being in charge. And even now when his brothers came begging for mercy, uh, he wasn't in charge. You you notice what Joseph says, am I in the place of God? Uh, Joseph understands, look, God has been working through all of this and I could look back and I could be angry and I venture many of us would, Uh, you know, you all did me wrong by your own admission, you did me wrong. And now I'm in a position where I can get even with you and feel justified in getting even with you because you were wrong in what you did in the first place. But notice what Joseph says, Uh, this was God's plan uh, for me to end up in this position. And this was about more than just me and you all. This was about God blessing uh, our relatives. And so Joseph was able to deal with the unpleasant things in his life because he believed in the providence of God and understood uh, that this was God at work, allowing him uh, to be in the position uh, that he was in. And not only will providence help us deal with personal tragedy, but providence will also help us uh, to forgive personal offenses. Uh, I, I would venture one of the great struggles in life is to forgive people when they've done you wrong. Uh, you know, somebody will do that wrong that really gets next to you. You know, there are some wrongs that really don't bother us. Uh, you know, name-calling doesn't bother me. You, you call me a name, I know what's on my birth certificate, and if you call me something other than what's on my birth certificate, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're not talking to me. But, but all of us have things that are harder to forgive than are other things, And Joseph was able to forgive his brothers because he saw what they did, not as a matter of personal offense, you know, what they had done to him. But again, he saw it through the lens of this being God's providence. Uh, You know, sometimes God does things uh, that we wouldn't agree to if he just asked us. Uh, You remember God told Jonah to go down to Nineveh and Jonah took off in the other direction. Uh, it was actually the providence of God that Jonah ended up uh, in Nineveh and not dead somewhere because God certainly could have dealt with him uh, in another way. And so when we look at the example of Joseph, I, I think it's beneficial to us uh, when we look at what's going on in our world today. There are all kinds of questions being asked. Uh, you know, Where did the virus come from? How long is it going to be here? When will things go back to normal if in fact they'll ever go back to what we call normal? And who really knows the answer to any of those questions? Uh, I I think it more helpful to us to find peace of mind and to uh, 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 find purpose in life uh, if we view these things as being matters of God's providence. And again, appreciate we usually understand providence if we understand it at all in retrospect. Uh, Right now who could really say what God is doing? You know God doesn't counsel with us about what he's doing uh, uh, in the moment. If we're able to tell it all it's when we look back and are able to put the pieces uh, together. But if we look at what's going on today uh, as being God's providence you know God created the world and God still reigns in the kingdom of men. So all of the things that are going on right now are either God's determined will or God's permissive will. Uh, But let us be persuaded like Joseph that the things that are going on are going on by the providence of God. God is bringing about some purpose. Uh, God is accomplishing something uh, that we may not understand till later if we ever understand it at all. Uh, but by faith, we, uh, we believe that God is in control. Uh, and it's my prayer that we will embrace this as we move forward in 2021. Uh, and however, God, however long God decides that we shall uh, inhabit uh, his earth. Uh, because who knows what's coming down the road? Uh, none of us can say for certainty that things will be better, things will be different. Uh, We just trust the providence of God. We trust the faithfulness of God. And for this reason, we are able, as Paul said, not to worry uh, about anything. So may God bless you. May God keep you. And we'll turn it back over to the brothers.
6: Amen. There's not a friend like the Holy Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. None else could heal all our souls' diseases. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one no friend like him is so high and holy no not one no not one and yet no friend is so meek and lowly no not one no not one we know jesus Knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. There's not an hour that he is not near us. No, not one, no, not one. No night so dark, but his love can cheer us. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one.
2: Good evening. Let us pray. Jehovah God, the great father in heaven, it is once more again that your baptized body of believers here at the Laurel family comes before your throne of grace with bowed heads and humbled hearts. Thank you for the many blessings of life which you bestow upon us. We ask that you continue to bless and keep us, inspire our spirits to be great givers. And may we ever be ever so mindful to keep our eyes focused on you, the great provider who gives us the provision that sustains us through our Christian lives. Lord, we ask a special prayer for our leadership here at the Loyal Family, our deacons, our elders, and our evangelists. Lord, continue to keep them and bless them and inspire them. Lord, we ask that you please forgive us all of our sins of omission and our sins of commission and bless and keep us safe until we meet here again at the next appointed time. Your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.